And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big Sean all right, we are in for a treat today. It is our newest addition to weighing in, and I have the real punk. Actually, next I can hit you. Oh, he loves it's it. It's important that I get to hit you for some of the things that you say. We have a huge Bellator show coming up, probably the biggest Bellator show ever. In Bellator history. In Bellator history, the biggest fight in Bellator history, I would say. And then we also have the UFC with Sean Strickland taking on Uriah Hall. That's going to be a... Good show. It's one of those shows I think it's going to be sneaky good as far as you look at the fights and you're just like, eh, it doesn't, it's not nothing that really inspires me. Watch, it's going to end up being a phenomenal show. I think it will be a phenomenal show. And I also think that this is the biggest fight in Bellator history. Patricio Pitbull versus AJ McKee. A lot of buzz right now, which is great because I love to see the fact that people are actually comparing the two cards. This is a huge card for Bellator for them to make their step through. I think Showtime is coming through. I've seen this has been the biggest push that I've seen from the media. You've seen some good marketing on this, and you've seen yes. a lot of good media output on what this fight means for Bellator, what it means for these two fighters, the contrast of styles, the contrast of personalities. Yep. There's been a whole lot going on. Well, first, let's just say one thing real quick. We are here in Thick Boy Studios down in Calabasas. We uh, are. We just got done fil filming Food Truck Diaries. I want to say thanks to Brennan Schaub and having us on. We had a great time. It was fun. We had some spicy chicken sandwiches. Well, you had a spicy chicken sandwich. <laughs> I had a mild chicken sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> so. we, we already learned that whole thing. You know, when it comes to spices and Josh... Josh Separation is the key. No mas. No mas. No <laughs> mas. mas. No, 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 no pocky chips. No. So this is what's funny about this whole thing. So like John, he's in reaching distance now. He can hit me, but I also had to go buy an extra... I had to go buy a wide-angle lens to get John in the picture. So <laughs> I'm in Thick Boy Studios. I Thick fit here perfectly. Yes, it is true. This Thank is you. True. This is very, very true. Very happy here. So uh, also, I want to take this time to announce that uh, I'll be doing another fight campaign. I think we're doing it at the August 6th show. So that's going to be another one we're doing um, for that for that pay-per-view. August 6th or August 7th? It's August 6th, August I believe. 6th? Yeah. That's the one with uh, Cyril Gaon and Derek Lewis. No, and I think Amanda? it's a different one. No, I think that's, that's the Amanda. That's Amanda Nunez versus Julia Payne. Is that the one? I believe it's John. You can, come on, Podcast Dave. What yeah, is it? I'm getting it. It is? I don't think dun, it is. Dun, no, no, I think, I think it's a different fight. Really? No, I'm, I'm throwing I was right thinking now, that was right. when Amanda fought. It could it could be. It could be. I could be wrong. Uh, August seventh is Lewis and Gun uh, yeah. 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 Oh, is it really? Okay. Yeah, that's Ngannou the one. That's the yeah, one right. we're doing. And is it August seventh or sixth? Seventh. Okay. See, I'm trying to get you viewers. Big brain. No? Big brain on no, John. I know you're gonna I know you're gonna be watching because I like you love to send me texts. <laughs> hey, dummy, it's this one. Oh <laughs> shit. I forgot. <laughs> I'm just trying to help it. you. Yeah. You're my brother. I know. I know. I know. It's, well, I'm, if we were compared more like son, maybe grandchild, but whatever. <laughs> Could be my grandchild. <laughs> <Could> be grandchild. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hey, we want to thank uh, Brennan for letting us use the studio today because we just got done filming, but it's been fun, man. We had a great time today, right? Oh, I had a great time. It was fun. It, just being able to bounce stuff off of someone that's kind of been there for a long time. Yeah. You know, because we talk about, you know, hardcores and casuals and things like that, but there is a difference. There's a difference yeah. of what people remember and what they liked and what, you know, you can talk about. And when I get someone that's old like me, it's kind of nice because I can talk about all that old stuff that yeah. no one knows about. Yeah. The great part was like we got the whole conversation when we first showed up, we walked into one of the studios that he's getting built out right now. And there was a picture of Kimbo yeah. and he just started talking about the stories and the Kimbo slice in the house. And then also all the other stuff that came along with it. And it was just like one of those 
it's like sad to hear, you know, it's sad to know that he's gone, but yeah. it's the, all the stories are still live on. It's great. Well, I, I have a lot of stories with, you know, Kimbo and did a lot of things with him. He's such a good guy. Yeah. People, it's one of those, everyone's got an idea in their mind of what the person's like, you know, and there's people, you know, they, they, they see me and they, they just like me off the bat. And there's people that see me and they hate me off the bat. They, yeah. they don't know anything about me. Well, it's the same thing when people saw Kimbo, they thought, oh, I'm going to stay away from that yeah. guy. One of the nicest individuals ever. You know, he, yeah, you know, he, he had that intimidating look, but man, he was a sweetheart of a guy. He was fun to be around. We used to do practical jokes and stuff and he was just, he was fun. And it, when you got someone that's fun, that's when you have a it's good time. It's that typical life. what you see on Instagram versus reality. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's exactly really it, what man. it comes down. A quick story though on him is that he was the very first guy I ever interviewed once I signed with Bellator. They actually flew me out to do the the Kimbo Data 5000 fight and I had me they had me there in Houston at the O Athletic. I think it's called O Athletic is which uh, uh what's the running back Peterson? Adrian Peterson, he owns I think he's part owner of that or is the owner of that that uh, place in Houston. But uh, it was a huge facility gym, and he was there. And I, he was the very first person I ever interviewed for Bellator. Yeah. Just absolute great guy, man. So fun. I, I was like, hey, hey, please don't call me sir. He kept calling me sir. I was like, oh, yes, sir. And I was like, sir? What do you mean? He knew how old you were. Yeah, what a jerk. What a jerk. <laughs> not all of us are 68, 6, 72. Uh, not, oh, not, what, Se- that's four years difference. Come Whatever. It's Give me 68. I'm, I'm just guessing. Guestimations. <laughs> all right. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's talk to UFC first, then we'll talk to Bellator card, and then we'll talk... Um, so some fan questions, I think, is what we're going to get into. Maybe a couple little bit of news in there, right, Dave? Yep, absolutely. Dave, can you be a little bit more long-winded? People want to hear your voice. I don't know why, but then people want to hear your voice. I read the comment section like I do every single time because I'm dumb. Okay, but I read the comment section. Dave, stop mumbling, man. Turn your mic up. Okay, stop mumbling. Look, they loved your energy on Wayne Interjection. They loved that energy. Bring that energy I'm, back every single time. I'm just having it did you hear what his friend said? Uh-uh. His friends told him, don't ever do that again. <laughs> don't ever talk like that again. It's Those like, are no, haters. Those I need are... you to talk like that. I yeah. need other people to understand you yes. and hear you. That's a good thing. What do you got for us, Dave? Come what on. did I got for you? Let, yeah, let me hear your voice. Let me hear your <laughs> voice, buddy. I'm saving it for that show. I'm saving it for that show. <laughs> All right. Yeah. See, as long as you're saving it up, we'll, I love we'll take it. it. All right, I'll take that. All right, Sean Strickland versus Uriah Hall. A lot of people are saying this is not a good fight. I actually think it is a good fight. I think fight. it's a wonderful fight. And I think Sean Strickland is a different fighter right now. I think his fight that he had against Brendan Allen just proved a whole lot about how good Sean is at controlling the fight on the feet. Being a guy who's not flashy, but he does, you don't have to be flashy yeah. in the sport. You have to be effective. He's very effective. He goes to the body well. I think this is a good matchup. The real question in this fight, Uriah Hall, incredible athletic ability, great technical ability, a guy that you you really like to like. Mm-hmm. The question is, where is he mentally? How confident is he in his skill set? He had the fight with Weidman. It's a win, but he didn't do anything. It's, you know, it kind of a it's a sad ending, yeah. you know, when when Weidman breaks his leg. And he wasn't able to display anything off of, you know, that fight. So where is he coming into this fight? How How is he feeling? And how strong mentally, how comfortable is he going into this fight with Strickland? Well, the not, I think he's comfortable. I think he's, I think he's comfortable every time he steps in there. It's more of the mental thing. The more of that mental aspect, that's been the knock on him forever now. And so it's just a matter of whether when he gets in there, if he can implement his game plan. And by, what I mean by implementing his game plan is... He doesn't need to be the, the pressure fighter because Strickland will be that pressure yes. fighter. Strickland's going to try to walk him down, make him uncomfortable, which I think plays right into Uriah, Uriah Hall's game. If he can just make sure he stays composed, 
Okay, and sticking and moving and using his his kicks to keep him at bay. If he can do that, I think his confidence will start to grow as the fight goes on, like we did, like we saw against Anderson Silva. If he can do that, I think he'll be fine. But it's that first, I think that first round, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to kind of build his confidence on that first round, land some good shot, pick and choose his shots. Don't don't get caught up into a brawl. If he can do that, which Strickland's gonna try to do, I think just push the pressure on him. We'll know whether Uriah Hall is mentally there because Strickland's going to put so much pressure. Will he break him or will he rise to the occasion? That's been the question forever. That's the question that Dana White's been waiting for him to answer. Yeah, it is, but it's a real thing when you look at if you're Sean Strickland and if you're his corner, going into this fight, you're looking, go back and watch that Anderson Silva fight. Watch what Anderson was doing when Anderson was being successful. Watch what happens when Uriah starts to come forward. It's telling you everything that you need to know about this fight. I'm not not everybody can fight going backwards. Uriah can at times, but at times he starts to actually wilt while going backwards because he's just not confident in what's going on. How is it you can have a guy that is physically and just talented, athletically gifted and doesn't believe in himself? John, it happens all the time. We just we just we don't we just overlook it. It happens all the time. Uh, but then I just noticed though, right now you just you just burped up that spicy chicken sandwich. <laughs> I saw your eyes get a little, no, no, no. A little red. I, I did burp. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. <laughs> yeah, it's really going to come down to Uriah Hall and the and the mental capacity of what he's able capable to do after that first round. I think if he gets through the first round, has a successful first round, he'll feel more comfortable. I think he'll feel more comfortable, yeah. and then the fight as it goes on, I think he'll start he'll be able to start touching Strong Strickland. Strickland's going to be able to try and. Walk. He's got to be able to try to walk him down, put the pressure on him. If he's having success landing shots, I can see Uriah Hall's confidence going going backwards. Like you said, putting him on his back foot. If he can do that, and he also if he pushes him to the fence, he doesn't need to get the takedown. He just needs to make it a no, dirty just bang him up, make it a dirty yeah. grimy fight like that that straight up Randy Couture style. Just get get in there and just make it dirty, which Sean can do. No, he can. You know, and and the one thing I will say off of it, everybody looking at Uriah. Take him off his feet. Put him on his back. Sean Strickland might be looking at that as part of his game plan. If given the opportunity to get that easy takedown, don't work yeah. real hard for it. But if I can get that easy takedown, catch you with your leg up in the air or something like that, I'm going to put you on your back yeah. and I'm going to work you. The last thing you want to do is put a ton of effort out to get a takedown. And you don't get it. And yeah. you're stuck standing on the feet with Uriah Hall. Yeah. You know, knowing that someone is so fast, so accurate. He just needs to have the confidence to throw it. And, and let it go in in bursts. Don't just let it go in ones and twos. No, let it go in combinations. If he lets it go in combinations, he's probably one of the most dangerous fighters in that division. He's just got to do it. Just got to believe. Like I've always told this the story that happened to me. Right, I was in, I was uh, I was training for a fight, and I just noticed I was landing. I was like landing a one two, but then there was a lot of time I was missing the right hand. And my coaches finally were just like, "Hey, you have to throw the three. You have to. It, not even if you don't. I was like, yeah, it doesn't. Not feel even like if you think you're going to land it. it just but you've got to throw exactly. it to make him make him have to react with it. Not only just that, but majority of the time, once I started throwing the three, it landed. It's just because you missed one and two doesn't mean the third one's not going to land. Now yeah. you got to pick and choose. Make sure you're not leaving yourself exposed. Okay, but if you're barely touching with the jab and you're missing the right hand by grazing it, throw the left hook because they're not really prepared. If you're touching them just a tiny bit or grazing off of them, they're not really prepared for the three and the four. So you've got to commit and just do it. And so if Uriah Hall does that, I think he'll have a successful night. Well, one of the things I want to give Uriah Hall credit for is since he made the move to Fortis MMA, they have done a phenomenal job in getting him prepared for fight and, and working on him being confident in what he can do because when he's confident, he's dangerous. 
So I think the move to Fortis was fantastic for him. Great job. I saw it, all those guys out there. When you're going down this card, though, I mean, there's there's not a big, there's not a lot of name, name value power. on it. But here's yeah. the thing, though, a lot of tough fighters that are on here, though. Yeah, a lot of tough fighters yeah. are on. Like I, I know he's getting a little old in the tooth, but yada yada. I've always liked watching fight. Super aggressive, good jujitsu. <laughs> oh, he's got you know, phenomenal jujitsu. Phenomenal jujitsu. You know, he's a dog. Who else on this card that you like? Uh you know, I take a look at uh, Nico Montoya Montano. Mm-hmm. is she's a good fighter and she she i know she's going against someone that a lot of people are not used to with Wu, but wu has got very good stand-up she's actually got good ground it's the real question is what nico is going to come out the the confident nico that we saw in the beginning of her stint in the ufc or is it the nico that she's starting to have doubts about does she even really want to be there to a point yeah you know when she was confident she was good and she mm-hmm. was hammering people that you go Man, I can't believe she took that girl out. And now, after everything that's occurred, you know, she won the title. First person in the uh, flyweights to, you know, get the title. It's gone now. She can get herself back. The real question is what confidence does she mm-hmm. have in it? I think that Jason Witt and Barbarina fight should be good too oh, as well. Barbara, I, do. I think it's going to be probably one of the One of, of my potential favorite fight of fights to watch all time was Barbarina against Vicente Luque. Yep. Do you remember that fight? Yes, I do. Holy Jesus. Great fight. Yeah. That should be a, a unbelievable matchup. He's just tough. He just comes forward. He just knows how to. He touches it. He's he's really really good in terms of aggressive Barrenas. Aggressive, and he's he's got a great chin. He's got a great chin. He's got a great ground game. Yeah, people don't. He doesn't get the credit for no, the ground game that he actually has. He's got a very good, solid ground game, and he's got a chin made of granite because yeah. he will take shots. Now he'll he'll wobble, but he won't fall down. He's like a weeble. Yeah, yeah. You know those weebles you used to do? They, they bobble back in the... That's, that's before my time, that. John. That's before my time. <laughs> okay. We're not talking about the 20s. Well, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. That's Brian Barbarina. <laughs> so can you scroll down on there for us, Dave? There we go. Who else on that? Who Ashley on Yoder one? against Jen Yu Fry. That's a, that's a good matchup. God, I'm trying to remember Jen Yu Fry. I remember watching her fight. I can't remember who, though. Jen Yu Fry was in Invicta forever. And then she came to the UFC... She was the Invicta champion, but she was an atomweight champion mm-hmm. and then bumped up into the strawweight division. But she has got great skills out of Texas. Good ground game, good stand-up, solid everywhere. I'm wondering if she's got a good enough ground game. And for whatever reason, Ashley Yoder seems to dominate other women on the ground when she gets that ability to get the fight to the ground. Mm-hmm. I don't think she can dominate uh, Jen Yu Fry there, so... If it hits the ground, Jen's going to be good at defending herself. The real question is how much damage she can can she do on the feet while mm-hmm. she's up there without? Because Ashley's just she's she's going to be looking to, to land shots, but she's going to be looking to get that takedown. Yeah. So how long can Jen keep the fight in the range that she wants? Got it. All right, Dave. What else you got for us there? What other yeah. fights on here, John? Stand out to you? That's it for me as far as you know. There's there's a bunch of you know little fights. Kai Kamaka coming into another fight against Danny Chavez. I'm a big Kai Kamaka fan, I so I want to root for him. Well, his last fight was fantastic. Yeah. He didn't get the win, though. No, he did not. Should have. I thought he should have. Should have. Yeah. I thought he should have. But it was a close. It was one of the, you know, it's not, it's not a robbery. Uh, it was a great fight, and he's just in that position. He needs to fight the same type of fight he had mm-hmm. as far as he needs to be active. He needs to be busy. He cannot wait. When he's waiting, mm-hmm. he's letting time go by, and he's getting beat. He's got to figure, I've got to be the offensive instigator. i got to be the guy going after this fight. i got to be the one dictating where the fight 
belongs and, and he can get the win. If you look at his actual town, his ability, his athleticism, he should be dominating these fights. He's just got to believe, I think, in himself a little bit more, like you said, to pull the trigger. Yeah. If he starts believing in himself a little bit more like the Uriah Hall, not quite to that level of, no. like, in, in terms of, like, um, uh, talent. Not, not yet, I'm saying, but also athleticism is not quite at that level, but I'm saying that he just need to believe a little bit more to get to that next level. He's there. He just hasn't done well, it Well, that's, that's one of those things where everyone that's around you in the gym, and they all see it, they all know, oh, yeah. hey, look at him. Look at, look at, what, he's, yeah. look at what he's doing. But you've got to believe it. you got to believe in that, hey, I can pull this off not only in here, yeah, I can do it under the bright lights, and that's the that's the difference maker. A lot of times between that next level of fighter, you've got to be able to do those things that you do in the gym. You got to be able to do them under the lights. I agree. Uh, all right, Dave. Let's. Uh, what are we doing? We heading into the Bellator card. Um, I mean, we lost. Honestly, like the card lost one of the best fights on the card was uh, Magomed Magomedov versus uh, Rafael Stotts. That really bummed me out, but. I mean, in all fairness, though, this card was stacked to begin with, which which I absolutely loved. Uh, but that was that was going to be an absolute amazing fight. I was looking forward to that fight. That was really to see who was going to fight for the title next. Yeah, you know, against uh, against Sergio Pettis. So you got Patricio Pitbull versus AJ McKee. But I'm actually going to start from the bottom here. Can you scroll down a little bit for us, Dave? I think one of the fights that's being overlooked is that Georgia Carahanya fight versus Kiefer Crosby. Right. That to me is going to be a great fight. Kiefer Crosby making his debut at 155. Which is going to be great. I don't know if they, did they decide on a catch weight because Kiefer said he's making fifty five. So I don't know if it was guaranteed to be fifty five. Probably fifty six. I would think it's fifty five. Look, George, Georgie was never a, a big lightweight, anyways. And was no. it was that featherweight for a long time. Yeah, Kiefer was always that tweener guy between the lightweight and the and the welterweights, and so he was doing catch weights at one sixty and things like yeah. that, trying to get there. We need a title with this. I think this would be at one fifty five. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, like, uh, George, he's like, I, I feel so much better, though, at 55. He's getting, oh, yeah. just murdering himself to get to 45, yep. you know, and so when he decided to go back up to 55, I think he's actually looked better at 55 than he had. And the Kiefer Crosby fight is one of those perfect fights for him. I believe Kiefer lost his last fight. He did. He lost yeah. it to uh, Charlie Leary. Yes, he did. It, which, where he was winning the fight, I think, in the first round. Then he said, it's hard to beat a zombie. Yes, that he was just walking forward like he was a Korean zombie type. Leary is. He's someone that just takes punishment all night, all night long in the fight, and then for somehow, some way, gets the win towards the Dude, end. Dude, I have said it forever. Ever the, since the first time that I watched Charlie Leary fight, I went, I'm watching him and go, he's not very good. And then I'm watching him and go, God damn, he's tough. Yeah. God damn, that dude can take some damn. God damn, he's still coming. Oh, my yeah. God, he's going to win this fight. Yeah. And every time I watch him, he does the same thing. He lets you tee off on him. He takes it. He gives back what he can. And eventually, he's wearing you down and getting the win. Bellator's version of Darren Elkins. <laughs> oh, yes. He absolutely is. Bellator's version of Darren Elkins. Yeah. It's so great. And that's, you know, and the funny thing is, like, you look at Kiefer, and that was a loss. His only his only other loss was a DQ loss. He he was destroying the guy, and he he threw a knee as the guy was falling down. They called him a down fighter, but you know that's that's his first true loss. Is yeah. the way I look at it, and I and I think he learned a big lesson from that fight because oh, yeah. he thought, hey, if I put my hands on someone, it doesn't matter who it is, I'm going to put the, they're going to go out, and then you'll run into that guy. You'll put those same shots on him, and he just keeps snorting and coming yeah. forward. You've got to be able to take a step back, get a breath of air, relax in the fight, and then just say, I'm just going to keep touching you. I'm just going to keep coming after you. I'm not going to put that, put that extra steam on this like I've been doing because that's going to wear me out. 
I think Kiefer learned from that fight with Charlie Leary. Yeah, because he had Leary rocked. Oh yeah, like, in that in that fight, and then he just wasn't able to put him away. And then when it came back out to it, it was just man, there was nothing left in the tank, and you could just see he just was exhausted from that. Um, so that's going to be to me. I think that fight right there is with uh, well, Kiefer. The one before it, Brian Pikeman Moore, who is a teammate uh-huh. of Kiefer Crosby, against Jordan. I'm gonna win, Winsky. <laughs> I'm gonna Winsky. I'm gonna Winsky. His lo- nickname I, is I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I love that nickname. But he's a good fighter, man. He's eleven and two. He's out of Dan Henderson's uh, team quest in Temecula. The guy can fight. He can fight everywhere. He's fun, and he's a last-minute replacement. And he's replacing Jared Scoggins' completely different yeah. style, which is tough on Brian Moore. But Brian Moore, being the guy he is, I don't care. I, I just want to fight. So he's taking the fight. But that is a tough switch up for Brian Moore. Yeah, I would agree. Brian Moore, though, he's got hands. He's always he's always dealing with some issues, though. His hands always break. He's always in a lot of trouble. Yep. I mean, who was the other kid that something McDonald? Oh, Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald used to break yeah. his hands all the time. He yep. basically just had to retire because yeah, of that dude, situation. His, his last fight in Bellator broke his hands. I'm done. Yeah, he's like, I just can't do it anymore, man. His hands are breaking every time he, he punches. Um, He should have been on the movie Glass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and that's really what it comes down to right now is that that that's going to be, like you were saying, like, I think that's going to be a really good fight. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really good fight. Brian Moore, though, with the boxing and a little bit of the wrestling, good takedown defense. He's not bad on the top position. No. Off his back, he's not that no, great. Yeah, he's okay getting place. up. He's okay getting up, but he's not great at getting up but either. But he is the Irish Canelo. He goes to the body. Yeah. He's got a gorgeous left hook to the body. He throws some beautiful overhand right the same way Canelo does, so I call him the Irish Canelo as far as his boxing and the way he approaches, the way he sets up his strikes is very Canelo-like. Yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch him. It's gonna be fun to watch him get back in the cage. He hasn't fought in a long time. I think it's been about since pre-COVID. I think is before he fought. Yeah, it was a while. Yeah, ago. he hasn't fought since since COVID hit. So it's been about 15, 18 months, something like that. So uh, what other fights on here uh, spark your interest? Oh man, you, you gotta love the. Uh... I don't even want to say that guy's last name. Kassan, it, it's Zabit's brother, <laughs> Magomed Sharaparov. There you go. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm is, glad I'm not working the desk. That's Kassan, and his fight against. I think he's too good for his opponent. I think that's a fight where. His opponent's got to got to have that supreme effort to get the win. It's a it's a fight where they're both coming in. There's not a whole lot behind either one as far as the ex- expectation, but Kassan is good. He's not quite what his brother is. You know, he's got a long ways to go for that. Yeah. But he's good and he, still he's still undefeated though. Yes, he is. But I think I, I'm really looking forward to that. Let's go to the main card: Goichi Yamauchi yes. against Chris Gonzalez. Chris Gonzalez being on a guy from the USA National Greco-Roman team. This guy can wrestle. He's a physical specimen. He's fast. He's got good stand-up now. He's done very well, but not quite the stand-up that, you know, he might need. But Goichi's the guy that he doesn't try to take people down. He doesn't try to do anything fancy. He got a little bit of a karate stance, and he's got a phenomenal submission game. This might be the one where you take a look and go, Chris can win this fight, but he does need to fight smart. Can he fight smart for up to the three rounds? So what happened from what I hear from the from the backdoor rumblings in this in this situation, Chris wanted to step up in competition to get him into that top that top five, top ten area. <clears throat> the issue is though, is that they sent him over, you know, hey, these three guys are available to fight right now. You know, who would you, and they picked him. They picked Goichi, and I'm thinking to myself, Chris, you're such a good wrestler. You have a tendency to, when you do get tired, you have a tendency to wrestle. Yes. And guys like Goichi just wait for that to happen. Yeah. And they think to themselves, 
All I got to do is wait for you to go ahead and shoot a shitty shot. When you're tired and I latch onto your neck or I scoot out to the back or I do whatever it is to get to you, yep. it's going to happen. Oh. And so as much as as much, I'm thinking to myself, bro, you're undefeated. Why? Like there's a lot of other guys who were in that weight class that you could have probably potentially have fought. I heard there was a couple names that were thrown out. I want to say there's three of them. But this is the guy that his camp picked. So they must have seen something. But here's the problem with Yamuchi, though. Everybody sees something with him. Yeah. And what do they all do? They say, oh, no, don't worry. I'm not going to. Oh, I've seen he that. He can't take me down. Yeah. I know he's good there, but it's, I'm I'm comfortable with this. And all of a sudden, they're tapping. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So and then what he's phenomenal at is getting to your back. And once he gets to your back, it's just almost like. He does smart yeah. things. Did you? I, I don't know if you remember the fight. He was fighting in Japan against Darren Cruikshank. And he's almost on the back, almost gets the back. And he's up against the cage, and he pushes. He's He's got a hold with a seatbelt. He pushes off of the cage to dump Darren onto the ground and just hooks up the back and gets the rear naked choke from there. And you just go, that's a yeah. smart fighter. That's fight IQ, knowing where you're at and what you can do. Just fantastic awareness of where he's at and what is possible from that position. So here's another fight that most people don't know. And I actually, I actually had... I didn't even realize I haven't been to AK in a while, but Islam Mamedov, he has he was fighting in in, uh, in in PFL, yeah, and then now he has signed with Bellator. He is fighting Brent Primus. Tough fight for him. And I think I've so. Tra- I've trained with him a lot. He's good. He's a good wrestler. He's got he's got good striking, but he's a waiter. He's, he's solid everywhere, but yep. he's very controlling. Yep, little he's not real fast. You know, he doesn't have that like you're going to watch Usman Nurmagomedov and how crisp his striking is and everything he's not the he's good with his stand-up technically good but not real fast in, as far as his strikes and getting you know shots out on guys good controlling ground game he's got good submissions but he's going against a guy that's really good with submissions and really big yeah for the weight class the only my only my only downside on brent premise if i'm going to say a downside is he just doesn't fight enough yeah i've said it forever He's now 36 years of age. He's been fighting for over mm. 10 years, and he's got 11 fights. Yeah. No, no, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. That's been the biggest knock on him, for real. And when we're talking about the, these two, I give – here's the one thing is I've trained with Islam in terms of with leg kicks, he's not the best at stuffing them and stopping them or checking them. So that's one thing. We know that Brent Primus has a, a good very leg hard leg kick. Yep. So on top of that, though, maybe is maybe Islam can get him to the ground. So he's one of the main training partners for Islam Makachev, was one of the main training partners for Khabib, one of the main training partners for me towards the end of my career. Um, he was really good. He's good on the ground. He's not He's not like Islam Makachev's He's not that level. Yeah, he's not that level on the ground, but he is good on the ground. He's got good wrestling. He's got good, you know, good yeah. sambo. But it's not Islam's uh, strength either. So I mean, it really kind of puts into perspective like where he will be in this fight when if he comes in. I think, I think on the feet he's a tad bit, a little bit better than Brent uh, Premise on the ground uh, on the feet. But on the ground, I'm going to give it to Brent Premise. <sighs> yeah, and I'm going to say he may be technically a little bit better than Brent in the standard. Doesn't have his power. No, Brent, he does. Brent actually hits much harder yeah. than Islam. And on the ground, I think Brent is quite a bit better as far as submission-wise. Maybe not wrestling-wise, but submission-wise and being a danger on the ground. So I, for me, Islam is going to have to land that shot that kind of hurts Brent, puts him in a bad position. He gets in the top position. If he gets in the top position, he can do damage from that, but he's still going to have to work at keeping some of the submissions because the premise does, his submission game is a full tool belt. He goes for the go-go plot. He goes for the triangles. He goes for all the different types of submissions. 
He's not that one-trick pony. He's good with all of them. But here, here's the one thing that I will say, John. This is a three-round fight. In three rounds, Islam, what one factor that he can do is he can control Brent Primus on the ground for three rounds. Maybe. That could possibly happen because we've seen, though, that Brent Primus is okay with just hanging out on his back, trying to hit submissions. And if they're not getting there, he has no desire to get back to his feet, which could be that it could, could end up working against him yeah, in yeah. this type of fight. You're absolutely right. So, um, but that fight. But then, hey, you have uh, Usman and Magomedov, which is uh, Khabib's cousin. Little Umar, it's Umar's uh, brother. So that fight right there is a phenomenal fight as well. So I want to see. Well, he's going against a dog. Yeah, he's going against a dog. So that's the thing is you want someone that, look, I think I want to see someone, Manny Morrow is going to try to walk him down, try to throw big shots. He's not going to try to wrestle with him at all, I don't think. He's going to try to basically just touch him and kick him and punch him. He's going to try to make it a dog fight. Yeah. Because we've seen with Usman and we've seen with, you know, like is Usman reminds me a little bit of his his, uh, brother, Umar is that they they have that karate style stand up, yeah. you know, and they got the kind of more of the snappy kicks, but they've got good they've got good sambo, good foot sweeps, good throws, you know. But how do they? He doesn't like to use them though. He doesn't like to use them though. And then how is he gonna fight? Is he gonna fight as well on his back foot? You know that Manny Murrow is gonna come forward. That's who he is. He's a guy that's gonna make this a just a nasty grindy fight. He had the fight against Nick Newell, you know. And, he beat Nick Newell by just being a nasty guy who came forward, crushed space, got, you know, Nick, who usually does really well against the cage, which, you know, dirty boxing and things like that, beat him there. He's the guy that you've got, you know, this is another zombie. Yeah. Manny Murrow's a, a guy that coming at you, he just does not stop. You've got to hurt him. You've got to make him pay for that forward motion. But, Look at let's just be on Usman. He's got the talent to do that in yeah. the stand-up. He is sharp. He understands range. He's very accurate with his shots. He loves the stand-up. He's got good wrestling and he's got a good submission game and he's got a phenomenal ground and pound. He is dangerous on top. He just doesn't like to use his wrestling. Yeah. He would rather stand up and make it a kickboxing affair, thinking that hey, I'm better than you. I'm just going to piece you up. That's what he likes to do. So. He's going to have the guy that's going to come forward and give him that opportunity. Yeah, but in his debut, um, Usman, in, in Usman's debut in Bellator, the only thing that concerned me is that his uh, his last opponent was throwing the ones and the twos trying to get after him. He was able to touch Usman a little bit on the feet. Had he thrown a three and a four, finished with a leg kick, or finished with something like that, it might have ended up being a lot closer, different a different fight. Yeah. And so that's the one thing with Manny Muro is that he will throw things at all different angles, and he will throw them all the time. He will not just stop at one and two. He'll throw three and four. And those are the ones that usually land. And look, I'm not saying that Manny Morrow's going to beat him. What I'm saying, though, is that it's going to make it a more a more of an interesting fight. Yeah, no, I, I agree. If there's one thing I, I know out of Manny watching too many times, look, this is a guy, Native American Indian, who's proud of his heritage, and he will freaking die on his sword going after you. He will never stop coming, and you've got to put him away. We'll see if Usman can do that. Got it. Uh, John. Mayo Sanchez and Mads <clears throat> Bernal. Yes, we're well. and, and, John, just don't bang a table or you're going to die on your sword. Oh, I'm sorry. I screwed up. Yeah, John's <laughs> been banging the table, shaking the camera. Guys, Jeez, amateur hour over here. Yeah, well. <laughs> We've got a Mayo Sanchez. It's a Sa- new setup for me. I'm not, I can bang on my table. Uh, no, he, you know, actually, you can't. It shakes the camera. Uh, but we, we just don't say anything because we're nice. <laughs> we understand you're old. You know, we tell you a bunch of times. Senile, don't remember. Okay, go. Mayo Sanchez versus Mads Bernal. Wow, you know, both of Mads Bernal is on a high right now, man. He is, 
he, that guy's he's on fire and he just had a fantastic performance against Saul Rogers. Yep. He just he made Saul look average. And that's not easy to do. No. And he got the submission win over him. His submission game is just outstanding. And I, I always go back to the Japanese necktie because he's so good at yes, setting is. it up and getting that technique. And the, the one thing I love about him is he's the guy that he won't hang on to something that he knows, oh, I might not have this. He'll let go of it and he'll go to something else. He doesn't sit there with something that is either I've lost it and I'm going to try to get it back. He doesn't do that. Let's move on. And I'll, I'll come back to this again. And he's got that kind of ground game where he's dangerous at all moments on the ground. And you look at Emmanuel Sanchez. Emmanuel's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu now. You know, under Dan, Daniel Vanderlei, he's now kind of training with Lovato Jr. And he's in a position where he needs this win, man. He's coming off of the featherweight Grand Prix. He had a he had a first round loss to Patricio in the semifinals, which has put Patricio into this you know finals matchup with AJ. But Emmanuel Sanchez is a dog, man. He, I love the way he goes after a fight. I love the way he pushes the pace on the fight. I think him pushing the pace on Mads Burnell is a good way to take away some of that ground game that he has with making it effective. You can get him tired, but you've got to get him tired. And you don't get into these wars where you're up against the cage. A lot of times, Emmanuel will use those to wear guys down, stay to the outside, make him move, make him be on his back foot. Emmanuel Sanchez is the full package. And he's just a he's a he's a gamer to the end, but he needs to be very careful on the ground. I don't care if you're a black belt or not. This guy is at a different level when it comes to a submission, so you always got to be careful. Yeah, like you said, you brought up the Japanese necktie, which is uh, one of the things uh, with Emmanuel Sanchez working with Lovato Jr. He uses that Lucas Lage half guard to get yep. back up to his feet. Well, that falls right into that Japanese necktie. I've grappled with Masvernal, and he's he's gotten he's gotten. He's gotten uh, the Japanese necktie on me. He's threatened it a bunch of times. He's tied on that thing, man. And so, and I use the half guard a lot to get back up to my feet, yeah. and it falls so right it's a into great sweep. your work. You're falling right into what he's looking you to, for you to do. Now, Emmanuel Sanchez is also very good off of his back. He's got a good armbar triangle game. He's very active with it. He has that. People don't give uh, Anthony Pettis enough credit for his jujitsu off of his back from the guard position. Yes. So Emmanuel Sanchez has that same type of feel to him. He attacks the armbar real fast. He attacks the triangle real fast. He makes transition from both, from one to the next really fast. He'll start using the, he also uses the half guard a little bit to get back to his feet. Those are all great, but that one situation where if he tries to use that half guard to get back to his feet, he could fall right into that Japanese necktie against Mads Brunel. So it's going to be a good fight. I wonder what Emmanuel, uh, what his confidence level is. Yeah. You know, coming after that loss, because I know it was really disappointing to him. He really believed that he was going to beat Patricio. Yeah. And uh, especially after their first fight going five rounds and a little, con I wouldn't say it was controversial, but it, no. it people people were staking there. At least he was. And well, I think his, some of people, his corner was feeling that he won, and that's okay, yeah. but they're kind of a little bit biased. That's just the way you it is. You don't say. You don't it's say. It's the way it is when that's your fighter, but yeah. it's. But he had a great fight. He had a great five round fight with Patricio. I thought he lost. I thought he went into the final round even on the cards. I thought he lost the last round, but. It was close, and that was a championship fight, and he thought that he had fixed those differences that he needed to make, but he got hit with a shot. When you get hit with a shot, I don't care how good you are. Yeah. Someone grabs your neck, and you're not prepared to defend it. You know, yep. He went out. It happens. Yeah, I think he was out before before they even hit the ground. Basically, about yeah. the time they hit the ground. Yeah, by the time they All hit right. the ground. All right, so Patricio Pitbull versus uh, AJ McKee. Look, I mean, I've been saying this for the last couple of months. <laughs> biggest fight in Bellator history, and I, I will stand by this 100%, is it probably one of the biggest – Featherweight fights in the 
in history as well. And people are going to just go ahead and knock on me on this, but I, we just sat we just sat down with Shab as well. And we were actually talking about some of the best fights. Let's just talk real quick about some well, of the we're best. Point, we were pointing him out because he was like, no, nah, I don't think so. And yeah. I was like, oh, really? Well, let, well, let, let's, let me let's point talk out about it. Right, so let's talk, let's Jose, you talk Jose Aldo and, and uh, Conor McGregor would probably be number one, That's right? a, That was a huge one. That was a huge one. Definitely yeah. a huge one, given this, the, everything that was going on, plus then the way it was finished, 13 exactly. seconds. Exactly. So that fight. Then I would say number two, probably Max Holloway and Brian Ortega. Yep. I would say that was probably number two. Yeah, fantastic. Um, if you get beyond that, I don't really know. What, well, you well, got, Volkanovski Volkan- and Max Volkanovski one and Max two? two. I, and two, right? Yeah. Two. So great. So those three fights I would put in the top three somewhere in there. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that this is going to be the greatest. What well, I'm you don't know. Si- I, we don't know yet. Could be. Could yeah, be the could worst. Be not, <laughs> yeah. And that's. I would also maybe even put, what was the second one? I think it was second Chad Mendes and Jose Aldo. Well, the second one was a great fight. The first one was, remember, he got knocked out. I think yeah. the first one. The second one was a good, well, good fight. The, the Chad Mendez, uh, Jose Allen was the second one when he got hit by the knee. I thought that was the first one. Oh, that was the first that one. That was right. the first exactly, one. Exactly. Yeah. All right. That was great. Guys, yeah. Very guys, nice. Observe this. Observe uh, bo- bo- this. Both, both, of the, both of his fights against, you know, Aldo were actually good, though. Yeah, know, they, they were. They were good matches. But you can go, you go farther back and you can take a look at some of the matchups that were there. Think of, you know, Mike Brown. No one thinks of Mike Brown as yeah. a fighter. Okay, he's a great coach at ATT, amazing, phenomenal coach. guy, one of the best in the business. His fight against Uriah Faber the first time, just a phenomenal job of a guy taking over a big name guy. You know, he just, just you know, over overcame everything that was there that was a problem and just kept going. And just is that where Uriah tried to hit that back elbow and he mm. knocked him out? That Mike Brown. No, knocked no, that's the out. second one. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was at the first one. The first one was the. First, I thought it was the that, first. That one. was the first one. Okay, yeah, yeah was that was the, the one. one. That was the one from Florida. That was the same one that Chael had the fight against um, Philo, uh, Paulo Philo, Philo, Paulo Philo yeah. the second time. Yeah, yeah. So that was the first time he won it. That was in Florida, and then he came back and he won the second time when when Uriah broke both hands. Yeah, fighting him. So, but you know, both of those were good fights. But then you can go even farther back. There was, you know, well, there's all kinds of those who you take a look at. Take a look at the, the Mark Hominick versus Jose Aldo. Oh, that fight. was a good fight. Great fight. Great fight. You know, Aldo did phenomenal in the first couple of rounds. First and three was, rounds. You know, in fourth round, it was kind of losing. And fifth round, Mark Hominick comes on and yep. hurts him and yep. puts him on his back. And there's been some great fights. But you take a look. This one, just on the face value, if they perform the way they, they can both perform, mm-hmm. this can be one of those fights. Yeah. I, I want to know, though, is like where do you put them in terms of – I, look, first off, let me go back to what you were just talking about. Is I think that those are the top three, the three yeah, fights that I said. That we talked about, and that. I think this is probably in that four. Or it's in that mix of number three, but it really depends. But on those how the fights fight. happen, so you had an idea. But you're talking about the build up to them. I'm, yeah, I'm talking. I'm not talking about the build. I'm talking about the actual like, hey, these fights. When it comes to, if I'm going to say, what are the best 145 pound fights we could put together? Okay, this would be one of them. Yeah, because you have someone who has been the dog, who's been the champion for the longest time, and you've got this young up and comer who has never been defeated, and who has been has been uh, noted of saying to him like, "Hey, I'm coming for you." TikTok, well, that's TikTok, TikTok. and that's how long <laughs> ago there. that was four or five years ago. Oh, that's how long ago Patricio's been champion. So there's a lot to be said in terms of the champion hasn't faltered in four or five years, and this young stud hasn't faltered either in four or five years. It's in terms of name value across the sport. Look, when people talk about Bellator, they they talk about Douglas Lima, they talk about MVP, they talk about Patricio, and they talk about AJ McKee. I mean, when I'm going through the names of people that come off when, when the media is going to cover this event or cover Bellator at all, they're talking about one of those guys. Usually. You know, I mean, 
And we went, went a little while for um for Ryan Bader. Then when he lost in MCOF, I, I kind of petered out a little bit. And then now, you know, and then obviously now with AJ, Anthony Johnson, and Yoel Romero, but Yoel hasn't made his debut yet. Anthony Johnson is in the is in the semifinals against Nemkov. So they'll get they'll, AJ will be a name for sure that they bring up. Nemkov will be a, for, a name they for sure bring up. But neither one of them, even with AJ's stardom in, in, in previous uh, UFCs and all this other stuff, they still are not. I don't think in terms of when it comes to the to to Bellator, AJ McKee and Patricio are the two biggest names that they talk about. Yeah, in, I, in, in Bellator, I, I would agree with you. I, I just look at it this way: if you took the 145 pound division as a whole, take away the promotions, mm-hmm. and you tried to intertwine them and mix them, it's going to be where AJ and Patricio both will end up in the top five. Now, I'm not saying that Volkanovski wouldn't be number one. We'll say since mm-hmm. you know where he's at, and Max Holloway wouldn't be there, and Brian Ortega wouldn't be there, but you're going to be hard pressed to put other people above Patricio. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be hard-pressed to put someone in there besides AJ. So you're talking about two guys that are definitely within the top, definitely in the top ten, pr- probably top five in the world at featherweight f- facing off. One of them with an undefeated record. And that says a whole lot. That undefeated record people you look at, and a lot of times you can look at it and say, yeah, but take a look. You know, there's a lot of ca- – AJ has fought a lot of good people. And this tournament has proved something about who he is as a yeah. fighter. When you look and you go, he went through, you know, a guy that was the World Series of Fighting Champion in Georgie Carhanian in eight seconds. And, I mean, starched him. Yeah. All right. And then he goes through Derek Campos. He blows out his knee in the first round. He actually blows his wad because he tries to put on another spectacular performance and finds that, oh, you just can't get rid of tough people right away, but guts it out and gets a beautiful submission victory, gets the arm bar off of the triangle. And so two two fights – two stoppages, two wins, two finishes, and then his third one against Darian Caldwell, an ex-champion at the Bantamweight level, a guy who stepped up, was a 149-pound NC2A champion in wrestling from North Carolina State, and then puts on a submission that a whole lot of people had never seen before, the neck crank that he used. We call it now the McKeotine, even though it's not a teen. But that was done at just one minute and one uh, one minute eleven seconds of yeah. the first round, all right. <clears throat> three fights, three finishes. Yep. All coming into this, and you just look and you go, he's becoming more dangerous in every area. His striking is better. He's fast. He's long. And coming into this fight, you look at him. You know, just if you look at you know statistically their statures, he's huge compared to Pitbull. We're talking about a 74-inch reach compared to probably a 66. Yeah. That's big. And then you're talking speed difference and everything. This kid has it all. He's been part of the fight game throughout his entire life because of his dad. He has matured now. He understands what it takes to be one of the guys in the top level of this sport. And he's putting in all the hard work. He's putting in the effort. And he has called this for this fight for a long time. This is what he wanted. Now's your opportunity. You're either going to take this and grab it and run with it, or you're going to let it pass you by. Which one's it going to be? Yeah, if I put, like you were saying, if you put the top five featherweights in the world, yeah, I'd have to include Patricio and and, and AJ McKee in there. Um, and look, and what people need to understand is that it has nothing to do with whether, even if you put them at four and five, go ahead and do that. But when we're talking about, when you're talking about putting up matchups, you are splitting hairs when it comes down to who matches up well with who. Sure. Okay, so I put... 
we talked about this on uh, Food Truck Diaries today, is that I put, um, I put Volk, I put Patricio over Volk. But that doesn't mean that Patricio is going to beat Max or beat Brian Ortega. That's right. But I put AJ McKee right there with Brian Ortega and with Max Holloway. Now, I also think that Brian Ortega, for all of them, is probably the most dangerous one because of his grappling. I think he's the most dangerous for all for of them. all of them. Yeah, you're okay. intermixing them. Yeah. That's what we were talking about. He's the one that is. He's the one that poses the most threat if you're to match him up against every single one of them because he's got he's phenomenal when you, And you could also look at him all probably the least formidable as far as physically imposing of all of them. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. So when it comes down, like you don't look at him like, oh man, that's the guy. Like, he, look how athletic he looks. Look how explosive he is. No. He's just super talented, and he uses all the tools that he has to his benefit. I mean, like, his jiu-jitsu is fucking phenomenal. His takedown defense and his wrestling is just as, is pretty damn good as well. And he can take he can take a shot, as we saw in the Max Holloway oh, fight. Yeah. And now that he's gotten better with his stand-up, he's a full-range fighter now. Yeah. So I think when you look at him versus Volkanovski, I'm sitting here going, I don't see how Volk wins this fight. But then again, I counted Volk out both times against Max Holloway, and look where it got me. <laughs> so, but in, in terms of with these two, with Patricio and with AJ, I think it really is going to come down to Patricio is going to take the center of the cage and he's going to wait for AJ to make a mistake. And if he can do that and he's able to land a clean, sh a couple clean shots, I think he might be able to get AJ out of there. But AJ with the speed, the reach and the athleticism to get in and out, he can afford to, to falter a, a slightly here and there against Patricio but he's got to be very careful because of the power of Patricio. So when you're talking, you know, it really comes down to who makes the mis the biggest mistake and who can capitalize on it at that well, moment. That really what it comes down to in, my, in the way I look at the fight is AJ is the guy we talk faster. He's a better athlete. You know, and that's just yeah, 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 let's just But Patricio is. is the guy that has learned how to fight. Yeah. That doesn't mean AJ doesn't know how to fight. But it means that Patricio has learned all of the things that good fighters understand of, I don't have to win every second. I don't have to hit somebody back because they hit me. I just have to wait for my opportunity to do what I do. And if there's one thing that I look at that I think is, a, is an advantage for Patricio in this matchup is AJ takes chances at times. He's young. He's brash. He knows he's athletic. He no, knows he's explosive. He knows I can get myself out of anything. Yeah. And he takes a chance, and if he takes that kind of chance that puts him in a bad spot against Patricio, Patricio is going to make him pay. And that's what a smart fighter does. Is this a Canelo Mayweather situation? It like, might be. You know, but I feel I feel like the only thing with Canelo Mayweather, Mayweather jumped on Canelo when he was still really young. Yes. Whereas right now, I think AJ McKee has matured. I think if he would have jumped on him in the beginning of the tournament... We'd, be looking at, we'd have been looking at a different fight. It might have been a little different there, but if you go back a couple of years, and I can tell you the changing point, when A.J. McKee fought Brian Moore in Ireland, he was the main event. I think it was the first time he was the main event. That was the difference maker fight in A.J. McKee's career. That's the one that told him, oh, I cannot just be the better athlete. I cannot get away without doing the things that I need to do in the gym and come in here and perform and win against people that are good. This is a guy that I actually should have put away easily. And he took me to the third round. He hurt me. He cut me. He caused me problems. I've just learned a lesson that I will never forget. And he has changed as a fighter from that point. And that's been the, that, that was the key turning point in his career. Yes, he was undefeated. But he was still young and immature as far as fighting. That was the fight that I go, there's your difference maker. That fight taught him a lesson. One that he learned. 
and one that has changed him as a fighter. Yeah. Very good. Hey, well, hey, this is going to be on Showtime Saturday night, not Friday night. But hey, no. let's first go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code Wayne in. But also, let's check on these odds real quick. Let's see what these odds are. Are we weighing in on the odds? Yes, we are weighing in on the are odds. Let's look check at it that, out. Huh? Weighing in on the odds. What is, I can't read it from here, Dave. <laughs> I got I got, I got 50-year-old eyes. Oh, so no, they're 50. I love that. I can't even still see it. Okay, so yeah, Patricio uh, and AJ McKee. Patricio is the... I think it's pretty much pretty yeah, much even odds. Dead even, man. Yeah, there. I still can't see it, John. So I think it's. I think it's. What does that say? One twenty-five, one hundred five, one twenty-five, and one hundred five. Yep. One hundred five yeah. and one twenty-five. One twenty. There's no over under. So on a, it. But but if you're looking at it, and, you know, it's the way that it is. That's minus one hundred five for AJ McKee and plus one twenty-five for Patricky. No. First off, they got the wrong name on there. It should be Patricio. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Is that a plus 125? I think it's a minus. A minus, or both minus. Yeah. Both are minus, okay. Pretty much even. Yeah. So look at that. And you also got Emmanuel Sanchez and Mads Bernal. And then Matt, that's both, I think, what? Mads is plus one, 110. Yeah. And Emmanuel Sanchez is minus 140, it looks like. So Emmanuel's the favorite. Now, and he should, probably should be. He should be. Yeah, that's normal. You know, uh, Usman is a plus 800. Minus eight hundred. Oh, oh, oh. oh, sorry, minus, minus eight hundred. Minus eight hundred. I can't see, man. Yeah. But I should have known. I should have known right off the bat. <laughs> so minus eight hundred and plus five hundred for Manny Murrow. You see, cool. you, you know why that's a uh, yeah. minus eight hundred. You see that last name. Yeah. <laughs> the odds makers see that name and they go, oh, no. they just go, oh, yeah, okay, I'm not, I'm not even okay, yeah, let's not mess this. with that. Oh, and then you have what else? Keep going down. I can't see. Oh, those are those are some of the UFC fight. Or no, no, that's are, it. No, that's it. That's good. That's pretty much good right there. All right. Well, so hey, what, do, what do you think? If you were betting, I'm not betting on any of those fights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not betting on any of those fights. I love that. The, I'm not taking a chance. I think Usman, he's still he's still really good, but I think I want to see him get a little bit more, um, a little bit more ring time, you know, in his new promotion because he's been with Bellator now for only one fight. I want to see him get a little bit more ring time and. Yeah, before I start putting some big, that's a lot of money, man. Plus eight hundred. I mean, minus, minus eight hundred. Yeah. No, you got to put eight hundred dollars down to win a hundred. Doesn't work. Ooh. Yeah. So I mean, other than that, well, if you I, got your kind of money, you if, can do that. If I, yeah. if I was gonna, if I was gonna bet on one of those fights, I'd probably bet on the Emmanuel Sanchez and Mads Brunel. But if, in a, but if I was in as much as I think that uh, Emmanuel Sanchez should be the favorite, I'd probably go with Mads. Yeah, because you're betting. I always say bet underdogs. If you're gonna bet, find the one that he's the guy that you know he's the underdog in the fight and you're getting a better odd that's what you go with yep there we go all right guys go to mybookie.ag use the promo code weighing in they give you the extra spending cash okay and enjoy it look i i don't know maybe you can't you should be able to bet on some of the olympics i don't know i don't know about that why huh? not well, anyways, probably should. I mean, if not, you guys can hit up. You guys can also bet on the USC, Uriah Hall, uh, USC, UFC, USC, USC. UFC. That's a good college. The UFC. We're in, we're in on down, the Strickland and Hall fight. This is USC's. Area, <laughs> so uh, go ahead and check that out, Dave. What else you got for us, man? On some news. All right, Job. Hopping in some news. Uh, Jake Paul is out saying that he's already been in touch with uh, Conor McGregor's camp, and there's talk yeah. of a fight, a boxing fight, actually happening. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, it just comes down to the reality of this, John. There's no reason for him to fight MMA anymore. He needs to fight someone. If he gets a win over Jake Paul and he wins, which I want to know, like we were talking with Brennan a little bit earlier today, is what weight are they going to fight at? That does It just doesn't Jake make Paul, sense when you look at it. You've got not quite, yeah, no, not quite the, not quite the disparity that his brother Logan and Floyd had. But no. you're talking... 
the biggest that Connor's ever fought at was 170. Okay, as far as you know, his official weigh-in weight, and the lowest that Jake Paul has ever done it was 190. So, Jake Paul, if they were going to fight, he's going to walk into the the ring at 205 to 215 pounds, where Connor at his biggest is going to weigh what 180? Yeah, probably 80. Okay, you're giving up a whole lot of weight there, man. I think I, from everything that we're hearing, man, Jake Paul is, you, you said one of your buddies that trains with him, yep. knows him, he's a former world champion, talks very highly, he says, no, he can actually box. Yeah. yeah. He's like, look, I'm not saying he's going to be world champion. He's like, what I'm saying, though, is that he can actually box. And the, the other part is this, and this is one of the things he says, one of the, one of the things people need to understand is this is not a hobby for this kid. It may be for his brother, mm-hmm. but it's not for Jake. Jake is living boxing. He wants to be good at boxing he doesn't do this just as a money grab because oh i can do this and i can box he goes it's important to him and his record is important to him his brother's already got losses he goes jake is different jake cares and jake is in this to win interesting so i guess we'll find out but i mean i think for connor it's it's a it's a dumb situation i think you just need to sit (laughs) on your 400 million dollars and ride off into the sunset man just lay in bed and just go, you know what? I have fuck you money. And just He's already said yeah, that. Yeah, don't even bother. Good with for the, him. I think you should just not even bother with the sports anymore. He's got a Lamborghini yacht. Yeah, I know. Something you and I will never have. Thank you very much. Yeah, I know. It we'll never be on one either. Probably not. I'd like just to be on one. Probably not. It doesn't even have to go out of the harbor. Yeah. I just want to tool around. Just well, putt-putt. I mean, after some of Connor's latest tweets, I don't plan on ever being on his. But <laughs> no. All right, let's go. What else you got for us there, Dave? Um, there was a tweet that came out uh, from one championship. <clears throat> yeah, uh, from one about, or from Arjun? Uh, it came out from uh, looks like one. Oh, one, one asked who who they should yeah. have who who would they would like to have him sign next? Correct. Yeah, yeah. And then Stepe kind of um gave like the little question mark emoji, and then um and then uh, Arjun Smith uh, Arjun Singh came out and um said you know basically taunted Stepe. Um, and so it's just kind of interesting that, you know, there's all the speculation that Stevie might sign me one. Well, I mean, he's not happy there. He hasn't been happy there for the longest time. And I understand why. And as much as I like to, ra- everyone thinks I like to rag on Stipe, I've said the reasons why is that the UFC didn't like him. They didn't really care for him as their champion because he complained about a lot of things vocally and he was very public about it. And then he also didn't want to fight sometimes. He's like, yeah, I'm going to sit this out or I'm going to take some time. That is a champion. Like people just the, the UFC doesn't care for that. No, like once you want, get to that level, to... they want to see you fight as much as possible, so they can make they can make money off you. And that's and that wasn't ragging. I'm not trying to rag on him. I'm just being very honest from a promoter standpoint on what they were thinking. Like, hey, you're not you're not really you you don't want to fight right now, okay? Or you're busy doing this, or or you just want to be champion for a while, but you don't want to fight. Well, we can't do anything with you being champion for a while. We need you to fight so we can make our money back. You know what I mean? Like they put a lot of money into marketing you and then that's the deal. I really, I really love the idea of him going to one. And I think it's a phenomenal idea because um, I think it's good for these other promotions, all promotions to let their fighters there experience what it's like to fight someone who obviously has fought in the UFC because then they'll realize that, you know what? They're all just as, I wouldn't say they're all just as good, but some of them are. Yeah. You know, and so um, I I think Stipe going over there would be would be a very eye opening situation. But he's not going there for at least two fights. 
He just lost his he just lost his title. Hello. He's got a two fight extension. Hello. So I get what Stipe is saying, but let's just remember now that he's done this publicly, they will not they will wait to fight him. They will <laughs> wait as long as they can. Plus on top on top of his contract running out, like after he fights two fights, he has like another probably 90 day or 120 day, a 90 day, yeah, 90 day uh yeah. extension on there. It says he, he yeah, has he to he only, only strictly negotiate, negotiate with, with them. them. So, I mean, you're looking at two more years, they can just offer him one fight which, per year, which makes him what 39 years old, something like that. Yeah, you know, so it's not looking good. I mean, like, if he did go, he wouldn't go for two years. And so, this is all just to me, it's hogwash. All right, first off, unless they release him, I love me some Stipe. I think Stipe is a great freaking fighter i think he's John, a great I like person him too don't try and okay. stir the pot man so i not, like him i'm too. not gonna sit here and say that dan cormier is a better athlete okay <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the, the truth of the matter is is exactly what he's not the guy that the ufc is comfortable with even in the role of their champion and he's got other things to go with and if he if he go if he decides to leave the ufc i think that's great if that's what he can do and he can make more money do it you know i'm all i'm all for it but like you said it's not going to happen for a couple of years. Yeah. You know, he would not be able to get that fight, be it in one, be it in PFL, be it in Bellator. He's not going to be able to get that fight for a couple of years because they've got him under contract. And unless they let him go, which I don't see them doing, it's just not going to happen. You know, I could, I honestly could kind of see them letting him go. Dude, I do not. No way. I, I, you, come on. How often do you see them letting a heavyweight I go? I agree because there's so, okay. there's so very few and far between. And especially like one, of, one off of his last fight, he was champion. Come I get on. what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But he also is just, I think because, I think what's going to make him really stay there is, is because he's, been the longest reigning champion, I believe, like the yes, most successful. He had the, he had the most, the most defenses. Most defenses. I think that's the only reason why, because they don't want him to go somewhere else and then lose and be like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> your longest reigning." That would be the only reason. I think that's the one leg in one one step reason why they won't do it. Yeah, you know, it ain't happening. But they just, they they strongly dislike him. They they don't like him. What is to dislike? Well, I mean, seriously, this, no. this, this yeah, is, well, this is a promotion. What, this, be, this is what, because he has a brain and he has, and, I, and he'll actually speak John, his mind. John, it's John, crazy. There's a time and a place to speak your mind. Okay? <laughs> this, honestly, on social media, when you're unhappy, like I was unhappy with the UFC almost the whole time I was with them. Even before I fought Nate, I wasn't happy with them. They signed me. I was unhappy with them. Like they, you know, it was like the whole That's situation. You'd been there and you didn't want to go back. Yeah, I didn't want to go back, but it was just like, I was unhappy with them from then. It was just that. You just gotta you keep it in, man. Just keep it to yourself and move on. Yeah. Like you know, like just that's the thing. Now, now that they know that he's interested in going there, they're gonna drag. Sure, out. that won't happen. They're gonna drag <laughs> out his two fights for the longest time. Nice. All right, what else you got for us, Dave? Uh, there's a report came out that Ty Chiavasa and Walt Harris are gonna be um, fighting at you. Okay, that is the stupidest fight ever. Why? Why? Come on, man! Why are the why in the world are you taking Wall Harris, a guy that has had some difficulties in his personal life? He's had difficulties in the cage. He hasn't been fighting at that level with confidence or anything. He's he's on what a three fight losing streak, yeah. and you're going to put him a guy that if he doesn't get this guy out in the first three four minutes, he's in trouble. Ty's going to freaking start to take over and knock him out. Why are you doing that to a guy that could actually be – and this is the problem with being in the UFC, and it's, I'm not saying anything bad about the UFC, but when you're that fighter, you're going to have to go against guys like this. And if you're Walt Harris, 
you know, he's in a position, ties on a, what, a three-fight win streak and, and Walt's on a three-fight lo- three losing streak. It just doesn't make sense. I would have liked to have seen Walt Harris versus Greg Hardy. <laughs> it would have been good. Uh, would have been fun. <sighs> Both of them really don't have cardio past one round, maybe one. You got round. all kinds of guys in the heavyweight division of yeah. the UFC that you could put Walt Harris against and give him a fight where if he's if he's done, it's gonna it's gonna be seen. But if he fights just smart and within himself, he's gonna be able to be successful in that matchup. Why do you not want to get this guy back? This is a guy that, you know, he's a good athlete. He's a good striker. He doesn't have the greatest ground game in the world, but he's someone that you can actually continue to build on. But you're you're throwing him to the wolves now. Well, how do you build on him, John? He's 38 years old. Yeah, but he's, he's he 38. Had, but he hasn't had a whole lot of times when he's been thumped. Hmm. He doesn't have a ton of damage on him. He has more of... Uh, emotional damage based upon instances that, that have occurred that are, you know, out of his control and, you know, God bless him. I'm sorry they happened, but I don't know. I just, I like the guy. I yeah. want to see him do well. And I just look at that fight and I go, that's not a fight for you to do well. I'm sorry. What else you got for us, Dave? I'm being a Homer. I think you are a Homer. Oh, you go. I okay. could tell it in your I'm voice. A, that's what, I, I didn't I, say I'm it. I'm a Walt Harris did. Homer. You didn't say I didn't say it. You didn't. <laughs> okay, uh, go last ahead. piece of news is Fedor expressed an interest apparently in fight in boxing Roy Jones Jr. <laughs> Jesus. Please God no. Yeah. That's all I gotta say. I don't wanna watch. No. I don't wanna watch. No. I'm good, man. I'm, I I'm... I am a hundred percent for the fight that Jake Hager has been asking for. That he wants that fight in Moscow. I actually think it's a a good fight for Jake as far as Jake Jake was a real good amateur wrestler he comes from the university of oklahoma he had a he was an all-american at the heavyweight division uh yes he he does the pro he's very much like brock lesnar he didn't win the nc2a champion like brock did and he wasn't this spectacular monster that brock you know brock lesnar was but they're very similar in the fact that you know what they they came into mma late you know they've gone after it Brock had his moments, you know, he won the the UFC heavyweight title, but you know, at a time when he, he beat, you know, Randy who was older and smaller, kind of crushed him. He had the one really good moment against Shane Carwin. Yes, that was a great moment. Well, and it was a great moment in that he was in trouble and he took shots and he but he but he hung in there. He didn't he didn't quit. And he hung in through the end of the round and then turned that fight around and got the win, that was his shining moment in the sport, if you ask me. It was huge. It was huge because Shane Carr was sitting across the cage going, after the first round and ending, going, fuck, I'm screwed. He's bouncing around over there, ready to go. And he winks at Shane Carwin. And Shane Carwin goes, you can just see the look on his face. He put his head down I'm like, screwed. fuck, I'm yeah. done. Yep. Done. But, you know, but I'm going to give it to Jake Hager. Jake had his fight in Bellator. You know, he was giving some people in the beginning, you look, you go, you should beat him. You should beat him. Yeah. His last fight... He proved he was a fighter. He proved what was inside of him because he could have quit in that fight. He was getting lit up. John, when he got done with that fight, actually while he was take, while he was fighting that fight, I looked over at you and I go, he may never fight again. No, no, yeah, I thought absolutely. for sure he was you go, I thought he, he's he like will, he's done. He goes, he goes, I you know, I, I was wondering, is he gonna come out for the third round? Because he took a lot of damage yeah, in that did. second round. Yeah. And getting off of the stool and stepping forward in that third round. At least for me, it tells me, all right, brother, you're a fighter. Yeah. You got heart. You're not going to quit. And he came out and he won that round and he won the fight based upon it yeah. when I thought, oh, I think he's done. So he proved he's a fighter. 
So he's got that in him. And you can see it that, you know what? He's got the wrestling background. He can actually be in a grappling match with Fedor. I don't think he can be on the feet, you know, and do well with Fedor. But he's proved that he can take a good shot and not, you know, go down. And he's proved that he's tough and he'll take a bunch of them and he won't quit. Give him a shot. You yeah. Know, this is Fedor in Moscow. It's similar to that Brock Lesnar versus Fedor that the UFC wanted to put on. That was the fight when they were trying to sign Fedor. That was the fight they were going to put him in against. And I said, that's a fight that Brock will lose. You're making a big mistake, you know, if you're going to do it. And then they put, you know, Brock against this guy named Cain Velasquez. And I told them that was a mistake, and they said I was wrong. So, Man, Cain was a sad. Oh. All right, what else you got? All right, you want to do some fun questions? Let's do. Yeah, Let's we'll do, go. We'll do. Uh, we'll just do five of them, and then we're gonna do. We're actually gonna film our next segment of Wayne Interjection. Let's go ahead and do these fan, five fan questions. All right. First one comes from Jake uh, Pression Gonzalez, and he asks, "If you could have one MMA fighter's life story made into a movie, who would you pick, and who would play them? Furthermore, who plays Big John Josh in Podcast Dave?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I could have one fighter's life and put it into a story. I would make you know honestly. I, I'm I, trying to give you time, man. I would, I would, I would probably say. Either BJ Penn or Jose Aldo. Okay, I I would tell you this: if I if you're gonna make a a, a story off of a fighter, Jens Pulver, that'd be one of the ones, the first ones. Okay, because you're talking about a rise from nothing, uh, a horrible existence with a father that was brutal to him. And what he made of himself, it's a great story. The other one is Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou, people do not realize what Francis Ngannou went through in leaving Cameroon without a cent, walking through deserts on his own with no food, getting to Europe and being sent all the way back, and then just doing the whole thing again. He has got a story that is incredible. You listen to his story, it is unbelievable that someone actually did what he did. It's it's brutally, you know, sad at times, and it's inspiring also. So, he would be great. And I would. What's the guy's name? I, I would use. Um, he actually fought. Uh, I can't think of his name as an actor. He's British. I would use him as the the title. Dan guy. Hardy. <laughs> I don't know what's the guy's name. Iris. I want to say his name's Iris, but I can't. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I know who you're talking about. Go ahead. What else? Next question is from next. JP... Next question. <laughs> next. Yeah, the next one. Yeah. Uh, JPW three two eight asks for Big John. Are there any journalists still around from the early days? Uh, who would you say is the veteran of MMA journalism? Is it John Morgan? Oh God, no. <laughs> I love John Morgan, but no, he's. If you're gonna go from the very beginnings, you know, the first guy, the first guy ever. Uh, most people would not know this name that you could say was an MMA journalist would have been Joel Gold. He started a company called uh, Full Contact Fighter. Yes. Okay. He had the very first newspaper. Yes. It was, you know, it became a magazine. It was called Full, Full Contact Fighter. And if you read that first one, he wrote it just like he talks because he was from New York and it was hysterical. It was, it was, it was actually brutally funny and horrible, but at the same time, but it was fun. But if you're going to say the guys that have been there the longest, there's two. I'm going to say Dave Meltzer is one from yes, I was, that was, Wrestling that, Observer. That was the guy I was going to say. Dave Meltzer has been here forever following the sport, talking about the sport. He's an incredible guy. 
The other one is Josh Gross. Josh Gross is, you know, he's had a lot of wars with Dana. He's the guy that uh, caused Dana to, to spaz out over the Ultimate Fighter 4 because it was Josh Gross that gave out the information of who are the fighters going into the finals off of that because he learned it. And he says, oh, if you don't want to know, turn off your sound. And he gave it Dana. That's what got SureDog kicked out of being able to go to the UFCs. And this is where Dana started to actually gain control of the MMA media was off of what Josh Gross did and the whole story behind him and SureDog. Uh, there was Loretta Hunt was a very good reporter who Dana ran out of the uh, the uh, MMA journalism uh, scene based upon some of the comments he made that you know were all wrong and uh, treated her horribly and stuff. But I, I'm gonna have to go with you know Joel Gold was the first guy, but it was Josh Gross and Dave Meltzer. Those are the guys that uh, have been there the longest and are still doing it. Interesting. Yeah, I remember Dave. Dave's interviewed me a thousand times probably. Yeah, great guy. <clears throat> What else? Mm-hmm. Uh, next question is from Out of Orbit. Asks, question for both. Will Aljo be able to adjust to Jan's style or will we witness the same fight all over again? You're going to witness something worse. Yeah. I'm just being honest. And, you know, Al, you know, What Aljo needs to do is, first off, Aljo needs to get through his own head. Because no matter what he says on the outside, he knows on the inside what was happening in that cage and he knows what he was feeling, and so he's got to get past that to say, okay, here, here's the things I, I need to do to fix it. Now, he can do that, and he's a, great, he's a great athlete. He's a great fighter, but he's going to have to get past the first thing is that mental block. Yeah, but then Peter Yan, he's already super confident because he knows exactly what he was doing to him. <laughs> he's like, all I had to do is just not be a bonehead and throw another knee to your face or an illegal strike or do anything illegal. He's like, I'm going to walk away with this probably five rounds to none. You know what I mean? Like he was, he was dominating the fight. So it just really comes out. Maybe Aljo won the first, maybe, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe anyways, yeah. but <clears throat> regardless, I think Peter Yan is also, his confidence is real high right now. just knowing that Aljo doesn't want to fight him again. Next. Next question from <laughs> next question. Mini six RS for Josh. If you had to give one attribute to a fighter you were creating, uh, would you pick long and lanky or a junkyard dog? <laughs> ah, Always going long and lanky, dog. Baby. Oh, junkyard dog, no. brother. You can be as long and lanky as you want to be. No. It don't matter if you're against a junkyard dog, you're going to whoop that ass. Long and lanky, baby. Long and lanky. <laughs> Next. <laughs> From Ace Cold, have there been any other overturned Is this decisions Steve Austin? I love it. Ice Cold. Ice cold? I love it. A Stone Cold. Um, oh, sorry. whatever, same shit. <laughs> See, that's how much I know about the WWE. I apologize. All right, um, go ahead. What was the question? Have there been any other overturned decisions that we never heard about, like the CM Punk make uh, make Jackson overturn? Oh, sure. There's been a lot of overturned decisions. Well, give me like a name value one that was overturned that maybe we didn't hear about. <clears throat> All right, I'll, I'll give you... You 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 will normally get them right. The ones that were kind of we ones that people have tested positive and they didn't make it public that they had tested positive, so it all of a sudden yeah, turns no. into a no contest. We're, we're, let's talk about fight game and what happened in the fight. Uh, there was one incident. You know, we, we talk about your headbutt all the time. Mm-hmm. There was an incident between um, uh, Robbie Peralta and I just lost his name, Mackens Mackensmizer. Okay. And Mac and Smizer and, and Mac and Smizer and, and Robbie had a great fight going on. Third round, they both come together, and when they come together, they're both throwing, both throwing, I believe, right hands at the time. And Robbie kind of stumbles back, and Mackins goes down, and Robbie goes after him and finishes. 
I stopped the fight. But as I looked up on the screen, I see that it was not that Robbie's punch hit Mackins. It was their heads colliding. Because what I see is Robbie's got a giant egg on his head. And that's what made me look like, did they clash heads? They clash heads. They go down. He finishes them. So I went to Mackensmeiser's uh, locker room and I told him, hey, you know, that was you know a clash of heads. I never saw it and you never would see. It. The only way you can see it is when it was slowed down, but you could see it in slow motion. And so I told him, I said, go to the athletic commission and tell them you, you want to uh, contest this, that it was a, uh, a, a clash of the heads that caused you to be hurt. I said, I will go there and I will tell them, you know, I missed it, that, you know, you couldn't see it real time, but you can see it on, on, uh, the uh, slow-mo and it should be overturned. They overturned that one. There was another one. Chaz Skelly had the fight where he was caught. I'm trying to remember who it was against. I can't remember, but he was caught in a darse choke and he was trying to, to work his way out of it. And the referee stopped it and gave the win. And so there was actually a committee I sat on and we talked Bobby about Muffet. it and said exactly what happened. And they went and they overturned that one. That became yeah. a no contest. Bobby Moffat, Next. Right? <clears throat> what? I said that was Bobby Moffat, right? Yeah, Bobby Moffat. That was it. All right. Um, so uh, one more. One more. <clears throat> one um, more. This one's from Erko, who asks, for Big John, has there ever been a situation where you were confronted by a fighter in the back just after a fighter lost because of your stoppage? <laughs> no, oh, I yeah. did that shit in the cage. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> this fucking guy. I love it. Um, <clears throat> you know what? <laughs> Not in the fashion that people are thinking as far as, oh, you know, the guy you know comes in my face or anything like that. I've gone in the back to check on guys, you know, because I actually did care, except if it was Josh, I didn't yeah. give a fuck. <laughs> but it was a matter of, I would always go in the back and check on him stuff. And so there's times when, you know, guys would say, you know, John, well, you know, couldn't you have given me more time? And I say, you go back and look at it. Once you go back and look at it, you, this is what I was thinking and this is why I stopped it. You tell me if you see something different. And uh, that's about as bad as I've ever gotten. I, I really haven't had. Uh, it's kind of hard that. to argue with the guy who's been doing it since like what UFC three, two, two. So UFC two. I know you were there at UFC one, but yeah. I'm saying like at UFC two, you were, it was your first refereeing job at yeah. UFC two. Okay. Yeah. See, that's kind of hard to argue with that. So I think for a lot of people, they're like go back and like, hey John, come on, can we talk about this? Like I want to know. Not like, hey fucker, like you did this. It's not that type of altercation in the back. All right, guys. Well, hey, hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. I know it's a different setup for us today, but we're down here in L.A. For... But it's nice. Look at all that I thick know. stuff. Very expensive wall, by the way. Yeah, very nice. Um, but, yeah, so uh, we're down here for Bellator this Saturday night on Showtime. Make sure you guys tune in. Patricio Pitbull versus. Hey, you see this? You see, yeah. You see the crowds? Yeah. yeah. King. Those are, those are for me. Aren't they over my head? <laughs> okay. <laughs> make sure you guys tune in to Bellator this Saturday night on Showtime. So Patricio Vitwell versus AJ McKee. That'll be a great fight. The under the uh, rest of the card is pretty stacked as well. Also, if you guys get a chance, try to flip back and forth. You guys can watch uh, Uriah Hall and Strickland as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. That should be a great fight. Um, other than that, hey, go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne In. Use the promo code and still and pick up one of our shirts. There we got a bunch of different colored shirts there as well so check that out and uh what else you got just telling everyone like you did go watch the bellator this week tape one watch one watch them both at the same time i don't care that's usually what i do i put them both up but you gotta watch you gotta watch patricio and aj i believe it's gonna be a spectacular fight so i hope you're there for us i hope you enjoyed the show i hope you enjoyed the setup 
because we are on the road. And I want to say thank you to everyone for watching us. And we will see you. See ya. Say it again. See ya. There you go.